Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on September 5th, 2021 on the basis of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Grace and mercy and peace are all yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Every Wednesday, uh, we send out a, a little video devotion. It goes out either on YouTube or Facebook or an email. And the, the series that we've kind of been walking through lately has been called uh, Church Words. And the idea of the, the series is, is that there's sometimes words that you might only hear in church. And then when you leave you maybe never hear those words in, in your everyday life, ever. And, and so we don't use them very much, but uh, we, we don't want to get rid of these words either because these words are, are deeply meaningful and, and, and they communicate the truth about Scripture to us, and so we want to learn what they mean. But it's important that we, we do learn and that we continue to communicate what they mean because somebody who's new to church or, or maybe even not somebody that's new to church that's been here for a while um, might think that we're, we're sometimes speaking a different language on Sunday mornings because they're hearing words that they've, they've never heard before or, or that they don't hear in, in everyday conversation. And so it's good for us to, to either learn them for the first time or, or to refresh our, our memories as to what those words actually mean. So your word for this morning, as I said in, in the introduction of the service, is doxology. Now, if you're like me, uh, if you don't know the, the meaning of a word, what do you do first? Well, you type into Google, of course, and, and then you find the definition there. Normally, it comes up pretty quickly, or at least some definition of the word might come up there. A lot of times, maybe you have to add a little bit more to the definition they give you right off the bat, or, or you need to do a little bit more research to get the full meaning of a word. But in this case, I'm going to say Google nailed it with doxology. I type doxology in, and you know what, what comes up first is uh, a short hymn of praise to God. That's a doxology, a short hymn of praise to God. So, if I said to you uh, that your life is a doxology, would that make sense? I think it would. Your life is a short hymn of praise to God. In fact, I think that's kind of a, a pretty cool way to look at, at our lives as a short hymn of praise to God, as, as a doxology. And, and really, in so many words, that's what Paul said to us in, in Romans chapter 12. He's going to talk about the concept of, of a living sacrifice and how this is our worship to God. And this is nothing more than a doxology. So I know we already read it, but we're going to hear God's word twice today. So what I want you to do is I want you to, to open up to your, your worship folder, and we're going to read through Romans chapter 12 again. Romans is such a deep book, and we need to hear it sometimes more than once. Twice might not even do it justice. You might have to read it when you go home too, but let's, let's read it again here. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so we in Christ, uh, through many, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with their faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then Give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This, again, is it's God's word. So, so you notice right off the bat that, that Paul hits on the subject of, of sacrifice, which is really a beautiful, it's really a beautiful picture. Um, but when we hear that, it's, the beauty is maybe not that evident. We, we need to know a little bit more about sacrifice to, to understand the beauty of, of sacrifice. Because we, we perhaps don't understand uh, sacrifice like an Old Testament Jewish believer would. But at the same time, we, we do have the concept of sacrifice in, in our culture. We, we kind of get what that means, right? If you sacrifice something, you are sacrificing something for the sake of someone or something that is worthy or that is important. So, here's a couple examples of what that might look like for you. If it is very important to you to, to lead a, a healthy life, then you'll be willing to sacrifice the, the, the really delicious desserts, the, the, the food that you maybe really enjoy eating, but you're willing to sacrifice those things because it's important to you to be healthy. That's a sacrifice. You're giving something up for the sake of something that you find important. It can be a thing sometimes. Uh, it can also be a person. So I, I would like to guess that, that your, your kids are, are probably important to you. I hope, they, I hope that they are. Um, which means that you might be willing to sacrifice some things for them. You might not be able to go out and get all the things that, that you want or that you would like to get, because your, your family needs to be provided for. Your, your kid's future needs to be, to be saved for. It's a sacrifice, maybe a small one, but a sacrifice. Or maybe it's something like this. Maybe it's you get done with work, you're tired, you want to come home, you want to put the recliner up, watch your favorite TV show. But instead of doing that for a night, you, you shut the TV off and you spend time with your, your spouse or with the rest of, of your family. And and you're giving up that, that TV show, that relaxing time to, to spend time with your, your spouse and with your family. It, it's, a small, it's a small sacrifice, right? But it is a sacrifice. That's, that's the concept that we're trying to convey here. But none of us can really fully understand sacrifice like an Old Testament believer would have. Because this was a part of their everyday life. Because to them, God was so worthy... Because to them, God was so important, they would bring these sacrifices to God. Their possessions, their animals, sometimes bulls, sometimes goats, sometimes sheep, sometimes birds, sometimes 
it was grain and the crops that they, they grew. They would bring these to God as, as a sacrifice. Now, other cultures at that time, they, they maybe had a little bit of the concept of sacrifice, kind of like we have a little bit of the con- concept of sacrifice. But, but even for us, uh, even for us who, who maybe even know the Old Testament a little bit or, or have heard a Bible study about sacrifices in the Old Testament before, we need to maybe stop and put ourselves in the shoes of, of an Israelite to kind of understand what this sacrifice was like for them. Okay, so, so you're an Israelite, and you are going to, to sacrifice, and let's say you have your bull. You're going to sacrifice your bull to God. Now, this is a very large animal. You're, you're hold, holding it by the halter up here, and you're walking it to, to be sacrificed. And as you're walking to be sacrificed, you're, you're maybe thinking, man, this, this is a big part of my livelihood right here. This bull could be sold for money in the market. This bull could, could be used to feed my, my family. This bull could be used to create other bulls. This bull can be used for a handful of other things. But because God is so important, because God is so worthy, because I want to worship God, I am bringing this part of my livelihood, I am bringing this bull to offer to him as a, a sacrifice. And this was the Israelites' act of, of worship. It was worship. It, it wasn't charity. God didn't need the bull. He didn't need the goat. He didn't need the sheep. He didn't need the bird. He didn't need the grain. He didn't need anything. And God, God is in need of, of nothing. But these sacrifices were outgrowths of these people's faith. These people were, were praising God and thanking God by the sacrifices that they were bringing to them. So this was their act of worship. Now, if you, if you trace the history of the Israelites throughout the, the Old Testament, I, I'm sure this would be true at other times for the Israelites as well, but specifically during the t- time period of Isaiah, um, Isaiah chastises them for kind of going through the, the motions in their worship. Meaning that, that they were bringing sacrifices to God, they were keeping up the practice of, of doing that, but their heart wasn't really in it. They were going to offer sacrifices because their parents had offered sacrifices. They were going to offer sacrifices because everybody else was offering sacrifices. They were offering sacrifices because this is just what you do. You just go and you, you offer sacrifices to God, but their, their heart was not in the sacrifices that they were making. And so maybe a succinct little phrase that we, we could come up with to encapsulate that is that their worship life had become disconnected from their everyday life. That's kind of an interesting thought to bring into our text from Romans chapter 12. We've talked a little bit about the Old Testament, now let's get to Romans a little bit. That's an interesting thought to bring into there because Paul encourages us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We're no longer bringing bulls or goats or sheep or birds or grain, but he's saying offer yourself as a living sacrifice and this is your spiritual act of worship. And so, to put that succinctly, your spiritual act of worship is to give yourself up as a living sacrifice to God, but, but even then, maybe that phrase is still a little vague, so let's explain that a little bit and maybe give a few examples there as well. What Paul would be saying with that is that 
worship includes more than just Sunday morning. It includes your whole life and every aspect of your life. And this isn't the only time that Paul is talking about something like that either. He says in 1 Corinthians, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. This is all your praise to God. Your entire life and every aspect of your life is praise to God. So if you're a spouse, that means being loving and caring, supporting and, and listening. If you're a parent, you praise God by, by changing diapers and by taking your kid to, to school. If you're an employer or an employee, you're showing your, your praise to God, you're giving praise to God by showing up on time for work and by putting in honest work. If you're a student, you're showing praise to God by being diligent and organized in your homework. If you're a volunteer, you're doing it to, to the praise of God and, and to the glory of God. And, and the list could go on and on with, with all the ways that we could praise our God. This is what it means to give yourself as a living sacrifice. But you may remember, we, we had just talked about the, the Israelites a little bit and, and how the, the Israelites went through this time period where they, they seemed to be just going through the motions, where, where their worship life had become disconnected from their everyday life. And really, it's probably not that hard for us to understand how that might happen because at varying times in our life, in our years, in our months, really in our, in our days at wavering times, uh, we can find ourselves doing the same thing. Because we do come to church on Sunday morning. You're all sitting here today uh, worshiping our God. And that's exactly what we're doing here. We're, we're singing hymns. We're hearing the word of God. We're, we're going to join in, in prayers together later. And this is all part of our worship to God. But in, in that hour, hour and a half or so that we, we spend here, we're doing that, but when we walk out the door, when we leave this place, does our, our worship continue? Or is God kind of relegated to, to Sunday mornings? We get pretty good at that. We get pretty good at compartmentalizing our, our lives. We do it with a lot of other things, and we, we start to do it with God, too. God has his box on, on Sunday morning for, for the hour, hour and a half that I'm here, but uh, for the rest of the week, God just needs to stay in that box. And when we think like that, when we find ourselves falling into something like that, we're living our life disconnected from God. Our worship life does not match up with our everyday life. And Paul says, every part of your life should be a, a living sacrifice to God. Every part of your life should be worship to God. And so when we think like that, when we leave God in his box and go about the rest of our week without him, we don't bring him into our marriage. We don't bring him into our parenting. We don't bring him into our school, into our workplace, into any other aspect of our life. God stays in his box, and the rest of the week is mine. If that is our living sacrifice to God then to say it, it kind of nicely, it's a pretty weak sacrifice. Uh, to say it maybe more strongly, it's unacceptable to God. This is an unacceptable sacrifice. And honestly, when I 
compartmentalize God out of my life, or even when I try to bring him into my life, I, I don't do it very well, and I realize that my sacrifice to God, what I can come up with on my own, is very insufficient. But before we get too far down that road, um, we have to go back to the, the beginning. The, the very beginning of Paul's words, it, it was just a short little phrase, so maybe we just read over it, or, or we didn't think about it so deeply, but go back to the beginning, and, and you'll see Paul say this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And then he encourages you to offer your life as a living sacrifice to God. But he says this, to do this, all in view of God's mercy. And so then the question is, all right, if this is going to frame my entire thinking about offering myself as a living sacrifice, if this is going to frame the way that I think about my life as being worship to God, then what does mercy mean? And so I want to connect two words today for us. I want to describe mercy by using the word despite. Because I think the word despite kind of encapsulates mercy, or at least it does a pretty good job of grasping that meaning this morning. Let me tell you what I mean. Mercy is not something that you can earn or something that you can win, but mercy is something freely given without any strings attached. If it was something you could earn, it would be called a wage, right? If it was something you could win, it would be called a prize. But mercy is given to you freely despite what you think or say or do. Mercy is something freely given to you despite anything that you've done in the past. Mercy is something freely given to you despite who you are. Mercy, by its very definition, is undeserved. So that means that the action of mercy is more about the giver of the mercy. That's the focus. It's more about the giver of the mercy than it is those who receive the mercy. God gives mercy because that's who God is. God is merciful. That, that's his character. That's his, his very essence. God is mercy. God is love. And God loves his people. And so he's always going to continue to give mercy because that is who he is. If we, if we rewind Romans a little bit, we go back to chapter 5, you'll find this, this phrase in chapter 5. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, you didn't have to just become good enough before he would die for you. You didn't have to achieve a certain amount of goodness. Your sacrifice didn't have to become a certain amount of acceptableness. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. This was his sacrifice for you, and it was complete mercy that he gave himself freely for you. That, that's grace. It's, it's undeserved. That's mercy. It's undeserved. And it's the most comforting thing in the world. Because you remember what we said about sacrifice before. A, a sacrifice is someone who gives something up uh, for someone who is important or worthy. Well, your God thought you were so important that he was willing to give up his own son for you. Your God, Jesus, thought you were so important that he was willing to give himself 
up for you. Mercy, it, it makes us more than we are, and it makes us more than we could ever possibly be on our own. Because mercy makes us forgiven, mercy makes us heirs of heaven, and mercy transforms us. It transforms our minds from earthly fallen things to heavenly things, to, to doing, wanting to do the will of God and, and wanting to praise Him. And it's in view of all of this, in view of all of His mercy, that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Not, not out of compulsion or, or obligation, but we offer it to God freely and willingly because He, he did the same for us. So I think it's pretty accurate to say our lives are a doxology to God. Your life is a short hymn of praise to God. It happens when you're, you're singing hymns here on Sunday, when you're hearing the word, when, you're, when we're joining in prayers, but it happens in the rest of your life too. Your hymn to God may be being the best spouse that you ever could be. Your hymn to God may be being the best single person that, that anybody could ever be. Your, your hymn of praise to God may be the best son or daughter or employer or employee or student or volunteer or whatever station God has put you in in life. You, you can apply that to, to your own station in life. But your life, your whole life, is a praise to God, a hymn of praise to God. And so it's true. Your life is a doxology. Praise God. For, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.